Amen. So I love pictures. Do um, When I say pictures, this is my Guyanese background. What I actually mean is movies. Yes, I have to make that clear. So I love movies. Do you guys like movies? Yes, and I'm one of those people that if it's a really good movie, like back in the days they had, I can't remember the name of it, but they had this movie with all these little Mini Coopers, and they were just backing that up. And I'm like, hun, I want a Mini Cooper. You know, like everything I see, if I'm, if I'm checking out a Chinese flick and the girl is just nice, I want to take karate. I want to do, no, I want to do kung fu. Kung fu is different, right? We, I want to be Bruce Lee. Like all the movies, I just want to be that. The last movie um, I remember enjoying is, um, what is it, Top Gun, Maverick or Part 2 or whatever. That was the only time I ever wanted to join the Navy. <laughs> only time. I just, you know, so I'm one of those people who enjoy good movies. And today I want to share with you this wonderful book that kind of reads like a movie, but it's kind of like a cliffhanger. And I don't really like those too much, but I can't talk bad about God's word, right? But I like romance movies. I like the corny movies that my husband says, get that smile off your face. <laughs> because I enjoy it. I like the boy. He likes the girl. She doesn't like him. There's drama in the background. They come together and then they break apart. But at the end, they get married. I Sister Corrine. You like those movies, too. Yes, that's the first time I hear Sister Corrine so loud. That's right. So I love those movies. Um, a lot of people, I was checking out the stats. A lot of people don't like romance movies. They like everything other than that. I think it's like number seven on the list. But what we do like is a happy ending, right? So let's talk about this, one of my favorite books, and I say that for every book, because we get to see God in his book, amen? So I'm going to read, and I'm going to be jumping around uh, the book of Jonah. So let's start. Jonah 1, and I'm reading in the NIV version. All right, so it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Well, here we have a prophet, and I know that many in this room is familiar with Jonah, right? Raise your hands. Let me see how many people are familiar. Most of you. Okay, so I can speed through this story time. So here we have this prophet, right? And the Bible says that uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And if you read the Bible, every time you hear the word of the Lord come to a prophet, whether it be Ezekiel or Jeremiah, who else do we have? Hosea or Nahum. Anytime we hear the word of the Lord came to this prophet, we normally see, read, the prophet went up and went. This prophet got up and went 500 miles in the opposite direction. So already, we're like, what is going on with Jonah? Jonah, why are you not 
Why are you not following the Lord's words? Well, you can't hear me? Check, check, check. Check, there we go. That sounds much better. Thanks. Thank you, Romaine. So here we have uh, this prophet who goes in the opposite direction, right? Why is he going in this opposite direction? Well, he does not want to go to Nineveh. Well, what do we know about Nineveh? We know that Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was a big, big empire. And Nineveh was the, the capital city. So the Jews did not like the Assyrians. Why? Well, history and the Bible tells us that they were godless, told us that they were violent. I mean, they were the group that first start using weapons with iron. So they had, you know, good weapons. They had the armor. They were ready. So people were scared when they heard about the Assyrians, right? They were godless. They were violent. And they worship a whole bunch of gods. And the Jews hated the Assyrians. And here we have an oracle of God sent to tell a message to these wicked people. And he's choosing not to because he hates them just as much as the other Jews hate them. And we look at Jonah and we said, oh, man, Jonah, you are no good. But this leads me to my first point. Let God's word be the thing that shapes your mind. Because we do that a lot. We have right now, whatever is on the YouTube or the social media, those are the thing that shapes our mind. We have black fighting white. We have Democrat fighting Republicans. We have people fighting. If you do not see what I see or believe what I believe, I don't want to hear from you. You are canceled. So we have this culture that shapes even believers mind and this is what is happening to Jonah but the story doesn't stop here we read in um, verse 4 then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose and the ship threatened to break up all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship so Jonah is on this boat and the Bible says that this wind come, there's a storm that's coming. And then the sailors on this boat, they get in nervous. And we know that this boat makes money off of cargo. That's the only reason it's there. It's taking cargo from one port to the other. So it's such a bad storm that they have to drop all of these cargo into the sea so that it can stay alive, right? I want you to know that leads me to my second point. Your sin can affect everyone on the boat with you. Everyone that's on the boat with you. These people did not have in mind when Jonah came on the boat that they were going to lose money. You don't think that when people are looking at your life, they are not affected some parents in here think they're living a certain lifestyle and the kids aren't seeing 
These kids are affected. You see the results when they get married. You see the results in the classroom. Your sin, your disobedience affect everybody that's on the boat with you. Amen? So here, Jonah, everybody, they take out the cargo and nothing happens. The storm is still, you know, raging. And the, the sailors, they're like, nah, something is going on. Because back in those days, religions thought that if there's these big storms... One of the gods is mad, and we're going to figure out which god is mad. That's what they were saying. So they decide to toss the die, right? Who is responsible? They found out that it's Jonah. Well, while these sailors are tossing out the cargo, my boy Jonah went down to sleep in the boat, fast asleep. He hates the Assyrians so much. He is so disobedient to God that he's willing to die. If there is a storm, you're on a boat. The last place I want to go is in the cabin. Right, Sister Stacy? Because we had a scary experience. And the one thing I do not want to do is go inside of the cabin. But Jonah doesn't care because he hates the Assyrians so much he is willing to die. I'm going to move on, okay? Are you guys still with me? Yes. Good. So, it's good? Yes. Thank you. But you, you wouldn't say it was bad, but I'll take it. <laughs> so, the sailors go, the captain of the ship goes and said to um, Jonah, he said, well, Jonah, it's you. Who are you? Who's your people? And why are we in this? So Jonah explains to him, I'm a Hebrew, I serve the God of the land of the sea, and I'm being disobedient, in other words. What do we do about you, Jonah? Toss me in and it's going to stop. Even the Gentile soldiers try to roll back to port, but it didn't work. So they had no choice. They tossed Jonah into the sea. And what happened? The, the storm calmed, stopped. And Jonah goes down. The Bible, before I even get to what happened to Jonah, the Bible tells us that when the Gentile sailors get to their port, they sacrificed to Yahweh. They made vows to him. Isn't it sad when people can look at the power of God working in our lives and be saved, come to know Christ? But we are not willing to be the vessel being used to bring them. This was Jonah's problem. And there is something wrong because we know that he have a solid theology. This is a prophet of God. He knows the word. How many of you would like to hear the audible voice of God? This man hears it. And he has decided that I don't care what you say, God, those people are not deserving. And we do that ourselves. Who in your life is not deserving of hearing this good news? Who is it that you're, you hate so much because they hurt you so much that you won't even send out? You, you love Pastor Rich so much, but you won't even put up the post. Hopefully they get it by a post. 
I'm such a Christian, but I'm, I'm, I'm every week I'm in the nail shop and I never say nothing about Jesus. Who is it that you hate in your family that you would not say, listen, can I talk to you for a minute? A lot of us have those kind of people in our life. And Jonah book challenges us on that. Amen. Amen. So here, Jonah is out of the boat. He goes in to the water and the Bible tells us that this fish swallows him up. Amen. Amen. You guys are so quiet. You're making me nervous. <laughs> so, so, so this big fish swallows Jonah. And I know growing up, there was a lot of stories that is trying to show you. Yes, yes, yes. A fish can swallow a man. He can, he can. Have you ever read any of those stories? Yeah. They try to prove that all the time. And I see that Christians are always trying to buy into that. But I just want to remind you, you believe of a God in, who performed miracles, right? Because he created this earth out of nothing. He breathed his breath into us and created man. He was the same God that separated the sea and let the Israelites walk on the dry land. What else you want me to tell you about? He raised Lazarus out of the grave. You're looking at so many miracles in the Bible and you're trying to say, God, you didn't just create that animal at that appointed time for Jonah. That's not possible. You're waiting for the world to tell you. It's true. It's possible. You keep waiting. It's never going to happen. Amen. So here, brother Jonah gets into the fish and this disobedient Man of God, as he is dying, and the Bible tells us in Jonah 2 that he's crying out this psalm to God. And he's talking about the seaweed is wrapped around his neck. And at the bottom of the pit, God sees him and God hears him. This disobedient man of God who wants to die and is about to die now wants to live. You know, sometimes the storms in our life come to discipline us. Those challenges that we have comes to make us better. But sometimes all we do is blame the devil and is God who's saying, I need you to get it right. You can get it right. Jonah is here and God answers his prayer this moves me over to my next um, um point god hears your prayers i don't care how far you are you could be literally at death's door he is going to hear you i don't care how dirty you think you are he is going to hear you if you are his child he is going to hear you call on him wherever you are and he will answer. So God answered. The fish takes Jonah up and puts him on dry land. Notice that the fish didn't put him in Nineveh. A second chance. A storm that came to give him a second chance to get it right. 
So he had to now find himself in Nineveh. And here goes my boy Jonah. He is in Nineveh. And let's move. I'll tell you what he says when he goes to Nineveh. I believe it's in three. Let me see. Yes. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. This sounds more familiar when the word of God goes to a prophet, right? He obeys the word of the Lord. Did I tell you where? Oh, sorry. Three, three, three. Three, three. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Now, Jonah gets there. And now he's proclaiming the word of the Lord. What is he saying? 40 days until Nineveh gets destroyed. Here we have a prophet of God who have a second chance to get it right. He proclaims the message reluctantly. And what happens? The Bible says that when the king of Nineveh heard this, when the message get all the way to him, he said, everybody's going to fast. Every man, every woman, every child, every dog, every cat, every animal, you are not going to eat. Because maybe God is going to relent. Maybe God is not going to destroy us. And do you know what Jonah did? He was tight that this was happening. This is Number two, the second chance. This is the man who was dying, who wanted to die. Then when he was dying, changed his mind, right? And now here he has the second chance to get it right, and he is tight. Let's see. Let's go to four. Guys, I think I'm going to be finished before 12 o'clock. <laughs> going kind of fast. But, <laughs> but to Jonah, the fact that they were, you know, they put on the ashes and the sackcloth, and that represents, that's, that's repentance, right? But to Jonah, this is 4-1, sorry, well, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I try to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, Take away my life. Here we go again. I could not be God because number two, the second time he said that, Jonah would, would have been dead. He would have been. This is why I'm not. Jonah says, I knew that you are gracious, given grace, compassionate, sympathy, slow to anger. 
and abounding in love, steadfast love that never wavers. Jonah, this is not sounding familiar to you. This is what God granted you. This is why you're still alive. But now when God is granting it to these Assyrians that you don't like for whatever reason, God, I know who you are. This is why I say, um, Jonah, he has solid theology. This brings me to one of my points that was supposed to be the first point, but I'll bring it here. Knowing God does not equal obedience. There are so many people that sit in church, know about God, went to Bible school, evangelists, all of these lists that you have, and you know everything about God, but there is no obedience. Let us not be like that, people. Amen? Let us not be like that. Now, Lord, this is three. Take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? So my boy Jonah goes up, sets up a tent. He's tight because it looks like these people are going to repent. And it looks like God is going to spare them. So he sits up there anyway. He wants to see what's going to happen, if it's going to be Sodom and Gomorrah number two or what. This is the man of God, people. So he sits up there, and he is waiting to see what happens. And then Jonah fell asleep. And here come God, right? God make a plant grow. And Jonah is enjoying the shade. He's loving it. He's sleeping all good. And here comes God. He brings a worm that eats up the plant. And Jonah gets so mad because not only is the plant gone, but God sends this scorching wind because the sun is super hot. And he feels like he's going to faint. And he acts to die again. God says to him, mind you, and this is how my mind works. We have a disobedient prophet, but look at all of the things that are obedient so far. We have the wind that is obeying him. We have the fish that is obeying him. We have the sun that is obeying him. We have the plant that is obeying him. We have the worm. And whatever else you, I missed that you said... The Gentile sailors and the prophet of God, the one who should obey him, doesn't. What does God say to Jonah? We're in four. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? So he goes and he sets up, and we're going to skip down to nine. But Jonah said to, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. Mm. I'll just. It is, he said. 
And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead, this man. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which they are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And some scholars think that this is referring to kids because kids don't normally know their right hand from their left. And sometimes neither do I. You ask me and I'm like, which hand do I write with? Right hand. And also many animals. This is the end of the book. I told you, it's like a cliffhanger. I like stuff to be wrapped up. Like, I want to know what happened. God, did you, did you just kill him? You know, like, what happened? Did the worm just eat him? What happened? Right? But the book leaves us like that. It leaves the reader to challenge themselves because many times we are disobedient to God just like Jonah we are so focused on the blessings of God and what he's doing in my life and we do like what jo jo Jonah said I know you're gracious I know you're filled with compassion I know your love is never wa wavering and you don't want anyone to be destroyed I know that's you God and we know that just like Jonah but we enjoy that goodness and we never share it the reason I started this whole scripture with movies is because I want to introduce to you a movie. We are in God's movie. This is his story. We can play a part in his story. And from creation, when God created man and man sinned, God had a plan for us to get back to him. I want to take you to this scripture. It is 2 Peter 3, 9. Oh, 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 nice. Thank you. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I want you to know, and this is my final point, that God always, always responds to repentance we see it in Jonah when he fell down when he went into the water and he prayed out to God God answered we saw it with the Gentiles when they repented they gave their vows to God we saw it with the Ninevites they weren't destroyed because when they repented God always responds to repentance this is God's story we sit here every Sunday and we have this goodness and we don't ever share it.
we think that this story is fine the way it is. But that verse that tells us that he does not wish for anyone to die, to perish, is because this story is real. When this story finishes and the credit rolls, there's no second chance. There's absolutely no second chance. We look at the world and we say, the world is so wicked. Sounds like Nineveh. And we have the goodness of God. And we know stuff about our God. We know he doesn't wish that anyone should perish. We know that he loves. We know that he gives grace. But we still just keep him to ourselves. Why? I want to take you to this final verse because a lot of people thought that Jonah's story was like a fairy tale. But we know it's not a fairy tale because he's mentioned in 2 Kings. We know it's not a fairy tale because Jesus referred to Jonah. And that's the verse I want to take you to. Let's go to Matthew 12, uh, 39. Matthew. 39. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And Jesus says, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of of the earth the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented God always responds to repentance at the preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is here the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is here. He is the one who is greater. So when we have a rebellious prophet that can touch, can go reluctantly to a nation that he hates and 120 people repent why are the people of God who say we love him where are we where are we but Jesus is here the reason I say Jesus is here because some of us need to repent to God today and say, God, please, can you take this away? Can you take this selfishness away that for some reason I think everybody's going to be good? I love movies with a happy ending, but the truth is that happy ending will come with a choice. And we know that God is sovereign because in his reluctant reluctancy there we go still the gentiles were saved this is god's plan people his will will come to pass with or without you but don't you want to be a cast member in that movie don't you want to have the blessings that god talk about that he says you are going to be blessed in this life and the one that is to come 
Or do you want to sit around like Jonah and complain? Have your goodness and every day you want to die. There's coming a day that we all will die. That day is coming. And it's made so real because when you hear about the parable of the rich man, when he opened up his eyes and he saw Lazarus on the other side, it makes you think about what happens when I die? When I open up my eyes, am I going to look and see my cousin that I never spoke to about God? Just watching us live. What is that going to do to you? I know what it is. The culture has gotten into your mind. You think you know who deserves Christ or not. You forgot where you came from. You forgot if God was to pull your curtain. People would say, mm, I don't know if you deserve it. But this is God's story. And he has given us a part to play. Play your part. Because lives depend on it. Amen? Amen. Would you please stand? I told you, 1208. <laughs> would you please stand? Let's pray.